Welcome to Jiri Snacks, snackable episodes about the Jiri exam and graduate school admissions. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable online Jiri course that gives you everything you need to ace your Jiri. A full textbook, tons of Jiri questions that are backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can try it out for free at Achievable.me, and if you like it, use the code PODCAST to get 10% off at checkout. Now, let's start today's episode by inviting our guest, Mike Bergen here from Chariot Learning to introduce himself just for the people who haven't heard your last one. <laughs> Tyler, thanks for having me on the show again. I'm glad that it went well the first time. Um, I am Mike Bergen, president of Chariot Learning, helping students with test school and life based out of Rochester, New York. We work with students across the country on SAT, ACT prep, even some GRE. Um, I'm also the co-host of the Tests and the Rest podcast. That is the college admissions podcast covering testing, learning, and admissions issues. I'm also the founding president of the National Test Prep Association. I work closely with test prep professionals and educators around the world. I wear a bunch of other hats in education, but I think that'll do for now. Yeah, sounds great. Well, so then today we've got one that's applies to the GRE, but it's really kind of a general one, which is how long should prep last? And so when we're talking how long, we're not talking about, you know, you should sit for 20 minutes versus 40 minutes. We're talking about sort of the macro, the whole, the whole schedule. So yeah, curious what you think. So it's interesting that a lot of people want to take a really long-term approach to preparing for a high stakes exam. Um, mm-hmm. In the context of the SAT and ACT, sometimes I speak to parents of uh, ninth graders that say, well, we just want to get an early start on this test that my son or daughter is going to be taking in 11th grade. And when it comes to a test that you'll take as either a college student or an adult like the GRE or any other grad school test, there's this sense that it's going to take a long time to catch up on all the math that you've forgotten or anything like that. And... That's not really true, okay? We all have certain things that we can do long-term to support performance when it counts, but then there's a lot that we have to do in a relatively short period before the test. Uh, mm-hmm. I love to compare, and I think you do as well, Tyler, I love to compare taking a high-stakes test to preparing for a sport or a, a skill or performance, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, if we use the analogy of, a musical, right? You can't start rehearsing for the musical a year in advance. You're not going to do that. And you're not going to finish your preparation, your rehearsal six months before opening night. (laughs) Your most intense uh, rehearsal, including your dress rehearsal, has to occur before opening night. There's Mm -hmm. There's so much polish that has to come into play. It's the same thing for sports. Notice that sports whether they're professional sports or high school sports and college sports, they last a few months. And that's because from the beginning of a season, which is tryouts, basic practices, sorting people out, you have your your drills and your conditioning, you, you know, then you start to play games and you as a coach are preparing your team to ideally compete for a championship. And Mm -hmm. that requires a lot of skill work that requires peak conditioning and health, and that requires focus. 
And you can only maintain focus on a goal for so long and still expect to be at your peak when it counts. Which is to say, I think that test prep should be considered a season. I think that right. the best length for test prep is, you know, two to four months. I think three months is uh, is a good average to shoot for where you start at the beginning with all of your skill building and, you know, what mm-hmm. would be conditioning or scales if you were a musician where you want to make sure you are fresh on any of the math, the grammar, the vocabulary, the logic skills, whatever your particular test is requiring. And then you start working on practice problems, sections, work up to full tests. And I've spoken in the past about the importance of taking high-quality practice tests. And you make sure that you plan your season Mm -hmm. so that you are doing the most practice testing right before your full official test. Right. And I think it's also important to recognize when you can do a full season properly in your schedule, particularly for the GRE, right? As an an adult exam, for the most part, um, you are dealing with life. You are dealing with maybe right. a business trip or a vacation or whatever it is that you've got going on in the middle. But you've got to be able to really put in consistent hours every week while you're studying like something that we um because our software program is based on space repetition right like we in our dna it's one of the things that we say is that um essentially like consolidated prep like cramming really is not as effective as taking the same amount of time and spreading it out 100 that can't be stressed enough right this idea that you could sign up for the GRE and give yourself three weeks to prepare for it is ludicrous. Even if you were taking those three weeks off from work and you were going to a cabin out somewhere and you weren't going to be interrupted, it's just not the same. As you say, you know, the way our brains are wired, we have to take advantage of concepts like spaced repetition and, you know, um, that reinforcing the testing effect, lots Mm -hmm. of different ways. to. So I'm glad that you said that because- Life gets crazy and Mm -hmm. people should find the opportunity to test their season that will culminate in an official exam where they can give this process the focus it requires. If people do that, they often find that they don't need to test again. When people don't do that, they're almost certain to have to test multiple times because each time they say, well, I was planning on taking it, but then, oh yeah, I forgot that I was about to have a baby and uh, I just couldn't focus, (laughs) you know, or, you know, the holidays came around or I, you know, I had a big project at work that I could have predicted. So whatever Mm -hmm. that is, keep in mind the amount of time you're going to be able to put in and commit to your season when you're able to make this your focus. Once the season Mm -hmm. is done, you can get back to all of your other obligations and commitments. Yeah. And then do you feel for the GRE, I mean, you're, you say a season, do you have any sort of specifics in terms of what kind of timeline you'd recommend for people? Really? Again, it just three months is sufficient. You, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the stage in your life where you're coming to the GRE, mm-hmm. your main concern may be refreshing all of that high school math. Right. But you know, keep in mind that once you start learning it, 
all of that knowledge of math that you haven't used for years and won't use any time after the GRE, it has an expiration date. And that expiration date is not measured in years. It's measured in months or weeks. It's not right. uncommon, even in SAT, ACT prep, I'm working with students, you know, who are fresh off of geometry and they still can't retain the formula for the area of a circle. They just can't keep it in their heads. Think about that. We, we want to capture the knowledge. We want to hold the knowledge for as long as we need it. And then we want to let it go because we're not using it again. So mm -hmm. it's really important not to say, well, I'm going to spend three months learning the math and then I'm going to get serious about prep. You don't need three months to learn the math that you learned a long time ago. What you mm -hmm. need to do is master the math that you need in the context of the test that you're going to take and try to get to that test. It's kind of like you're carrying a lot of things in your arms at once um, mm -hmm. and things are starting to fall out as you're running to your destination you don't want to go too slow. You want to get there with as much of that knowledge in your metaphorical arms as possible. Right. So then, I mean, some advice that we've, we've heard from other people on this podcast is that you should spend, if you got three months, you should spend your first month doing the foundational piece. Do you agree with that? I think it really depends on how you're preparing. Right. You want mm -hmm. to align your preparation with whatever program you've committed to or whatever coach you're working with. And someone else has a plan for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And what you want to do is make sure that you find a system and work a system and mm -hmm. try to take advantage of whatever that system um, designates is the right structure. It's most people taking the GRE are not professional test takers and they're not planning to be. What they right. want, this is one <laughs> step on a path to a, a career. Take advantage of expertise. If, uh, if the expert that you're working with, the program that you've subscribed to um, says, spend the first month in skill building, that's fine. There's going to be a designated process in which you can do that. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, there's there's a phrase like, you know, don't switch boats midstream, okay? Right. Figure out what your journey is going to be and who you're going to take that journey with. As long as that that resource that you're taking advantage of is carrying you forward, work that system for the length of time that's required, which should, again, be no more than three months. You know, any professional GRE class or tutor is not going to last six months or a year. There's right. going to be a shorter period. And the same goes for uh, software, for online programs, for anything like that. Short and sweet. Better to be intense for two months than slow and steady for seven months. That's not going to do it for you. Right. You'll just forget too much by the time you get to the end of that period. It's. I really find that students, even students that were working weekly with a tutor, um, after two or so months, they start forgetting the things that they spoke about at the beginning, even if they're using that information all the time. Right. It's just, look, today we are all deluged with so much information on a regular basis. We can't keep all of this information <laughs> at, at the peak of understanding for as long as we think we can. Mm -hmm. Better to learn it, master it, deliver it. And then forget about it. 
which right. I think I think is a relief for anybody who has to study something they don't want to study for the GRE or a similar test. You don't have to be burdened with that math knowledge all your life if you're planning on being an English professor, but you do need it for the test and you need to be really good at it. Right, exactly. And then as far as for the GRE in particular, leveraging the ETS power prep exams in your prep schedule, how would you take your five exams and kind of distribute them throughout? So with the acknowledgement that if you are working with a professional program with designated milestones, that program or that professional may have a timeline that, you know, like they may say, take the first test as a diagnostic. We need that information. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like what you said earlier. It's like buy the ticket, take the ride. Like if you're signing up for a big program, you should just roll with that. Yeah. But this is more general. Yeah. No, no. I know. I like the way you say that. Buy the ticket, take the ride. Um, Use no more than one for diagnostic purposes, right? It's, it's too common that we encounter students that have already done three or four of the practice tests before they start working with us and and they try to do it on their own. They realize they can't do it. And now they want to do work, but we need those tests. As I've said before, practice testing is an incredibly (laughs) important part of peak performance when it counts. And you want to save your best tests and your best tests are the official power prep tests. Right. For as close to the official exam as possible, those practice tests are the polish. That's not the beginning of your process. That's the end. That's like if you were going to be in a play and in your first rehearsal, they had you do a full dress rehearsal. Wouldn't make sense. You haven't even learned right. your lines. You don't even know your role. <laughs> Nobody knows they're blocking. Nobody knows um, what they're doing. You do the slow easy individual items first you pick up the content knowledge you might get to a part where you're practicing sections maybe you're designating one test just for section practice but you've got to save as many tests as possible for your final push and make sure that when you take those tests you thoroughly review each test never make the mistake of taking a test and then Mm -hmm. not doing anything and taking another test to see if you would do better Yes, yeah. there's usually some kind of retest benefit, but that's not your that's not what you're shooting for. You're shooting for as much value out of each official practice test as possible. And that right. means a lot of work between tests so that you don't make the same mistakes over again. Yeah, exactly. I think only using one at the beginning is super good advice. And hopefully people hear this before they do four of them and then come to you guys. Right? <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I, I agree that you basically, I, my personal, I, I've heard a bunch of answers to this question. My personal favorite is at least two weeks between official practice tests so that you have time to digest what went wrong, work on it, and then see if you improve it in the next round. I think that's a good idea, although I will say that students that are scoring very well won't need the two weeks, and they'll actually want to shorten those chains and just make sure they're taking those tests closer to the point of attack. You know, SAT, ACT prep, I sometimes have students that between sessions can take two full practice tests, and that's because they're only getting a handful of questions wrong per test. doesn't even take time to review, but they're still practicing 
all of the timing, all of the bringing their best to each individual question, management of the test as a whole, all of the other factors that are so important. So it really does depend on where you are. If you need two weeks to review everything in a practice test, take those two weeks. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't adopt someone else's schedule. Adopt the schedule that's going to help you reach your goal. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything else about how long prep should last? No, just, you know, once you make the commitment, mm-hmm. stick with the commitment. You, you know, if you put the right amount of thought into when you're taking the test, when you're starting preparation, how you're going to prepare, and how you've eliminated other commitments or obligations that might distract you during that time, do it. Do the work. Get it done. Yeah. Best case scenario is after your two, three, four month season, you go in, you take the test at the peak of your ability, you earn the score that you want, and then you can get back to everything else that is part of a busy life. That's the that's right. the ideal scenario. And it happens for a lot of students and it can happen for anyone that puts the thought in ahead of time. Yeah, totally agree. Thank you, Mike. This has been Jiri Snacks, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Mike Bergen from Chariot Learning. Achievable has a great online Jiri course that you can try for free at achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off when you buy it.